You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. And uh, uh, what an exciting thing that is happening with our schools at the moment. For whatever reason, well, we know the reason, but for whatever reason, the Lord has blessed us as a church uh, to carry uh, something of a grace for Christian education um, in our nation. And uh, man, I don't know, it's a, it's a bit of a wild story, really, when you think about what God is doing through our schools and what our government is allowing us to do in our schools. Uh, Christian education and, and, and just with our new school opening up in Henderson and with role increases in our other campuses. Like, that's crazy stuff. That's unheard of in today's world, that uh, the doors are being opened more and more for us as Christian educators. It is an incredible thing. And uh, we just wanted to let you know that all across our campuses today, we're doing a bit of a, a promotion, but really just letting you know what's happening in our school because we do have opportunity for application open now with our new campus in Henderson and some um, uh, openings in our other campuses as well. And also we're looking for teachers and for educators uh, to come on board and be part of what we're doing. So if you have a child or if you are in education and you would like to know more about our school and and jump on board with what God is doing, um, because it's a pretty phenomenal thing, then we've got a team from the school um, our, even um, our, our uh, deputy principal here, the, the head of our Botany campus here, Mr. Stephen Briscoe, I believe, is going to be out there, and a couple of other um, staff members from the school as well. Go and chat to them. Go and talk to them and speak to them about what is happening with our school and, uh, because there's many opportunities coming up, and we're really excited to share them with you. There's also open days coming up as well, and there's flyers out there which will give you the dates and details for open days. Uh, but God is good. Amen. Amen. All right. We are, we're in our blessed series. We've called it blessed and we're talking about our, the Beatitudes. And just to remind you, in case you've forgotten, I'm going to read out these passages to you where Jesus gives his first sermon. It's found in Matthew 5. He opens his mouth, the Bible says, and he taught them these things. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, For righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we're continuing our journey today as we move through the Beatitudes. We are three weeks down. We're week number four now. And we have learned these past few weeks that the Beatitudes are incredibly countercultural, aren't they? They are not what the world teaches us. In fact, they're not just countercultural. They are counter to our flesh, to what we naturally want to do. Like we don't, like it doesn't sound fun to be poor in spirit, right? It doesn't sound fun to mourn. And yet Jesus is teaching us that we are blessed if we find ourselves in that 
situation. These are not values the world puts in us. In fact, they are values that only the Holy Spirit can put in us. These are the sorts of things that make not just the church, but us as Christians out there in the world different to the rest of the world. And that's what makes them so, so important. And so let's turn our attention today to the beatitude that we are looking at. It's Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or they shall be filled. Everyone can relate to the experience of being hungry. Every single one of us. We can all relate to feeling hungry. Every one of us can relate to the feeling of being thirsty. And we all know that when we are hungry, we will look for something, anything, to fill us up. And we also all know that that is a dangerous place to be when you go to the supermarket. You know it's like, it's like it, you, you, should, you have made a bad decision when you decided to go to the supermarket to do your food shopping either at lunchtime or at dinner time. Uh, you know you're going to end up in all sorts of trouble because you are going to put not just everything you felt like eating that day in your trolley, you're going to put everything you felt like eating for the last three weeks in your trolley. You're going to come home with everything. This has happened many, many times to Steve and I. I'm looking at the food shopping Steve's brought home when he's gone hungry. I'm thinking, but he's like, oh, no. Oh, I got that. Oh, I got that too. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, I got that as well. I can remember one time we had my brother and his wife over for dinner, and uh, we have this tradition where whenever they come over, well, we made it a tradition purely because I didn't want to cook, where we get takeaways. It's our thing. They come over for dinner, and we order takeaways. Well, I can remember one particular evening, and this was before we had children before they started sucking the money out of our bank account like leeches. Uh, we, they came over for dinner and we all arrived at dinner that night starving. Like we were starving. We were super hungry coming into dinner that night. When it came time to decide which takeaway we were going to have, we couldn't decide. You know what we did? We all went out separately and we all got a little bit of everything. Like, we got little bits of all the takeaways and put them together to make one big meal. We, went, we, got, we got McD's and we got BK. We got KFC and we got Pizza Hut. We got Wendy's and we got fish and chips. Like, we got a little bit of everything because we were hungry. And as equally as you know the experience of being hungry, you can also relate to that satisfaction you feel, feel when you are filled again. That satisfaction of I was hungry and now I am full. There's nothing quite like having your hunger satisfied, is there? And that is the incredible thing about this beatitude. That is the powerful thing. It functions as this wonderful promise, this wonderful promise that if you and I would hunger and thirst after righteousness, God himself promises to fill you right up. And this morning we're going to approach this passage, we're going to approach this beatitude by taking a look at the key words that we find in it. And the first word or words that we're going to look at is hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now I mentioned that we all know what it is like to be hungry and thirsty, but the fact is very few of us in these modern conditions of life that we live in, very few of us actually know what it's like to be truly hungry and truly thirsty. 
But in the ancient world, at the time when these words were preached by Jesus, conditions were different. It was not like what it is today. It was a different world. A working man's wage was the equivalent to about three pennies a day. And even if we take into account inflation and the different wages that we earn today and buying power of today, nobody ever got full on three pennies a day, even back then. A working man in the ancient world ate meat maybe once a week, and a working man and a day laborer in those days, they were never far from that borderline of moving from real hunger to actual starvation. The risk was there more and more, certainly very different to what it is for you and I today, and the same is true in the case of thirst. It, is, it's not, it was not possible for the vast majority of homes back then to have a little tap that they turned and pure, clear, cold drinking water would just come out of the tap like you and I experience in our homes today here in New Zealand. Imagine this, a man might be on a journey going wherever he might be going that day, probably to earn some kind of wage to do something incredibly important for his family. And in the midst of that journey, many, many occasions would have come a sandstorm. And the only thing that he could do in the midst of that sandstorm was to cover his head, turn his back, and while his nostrils and his throat were filled with sand, and the only thing that he could do was either wait to be overcome and suffocate by the sand, or at the very least, parched and overwhelmed by thirst. I think we have to be honest today and say here in New Zealand in our modern Western life, we just don't even get close to an experience like that. There is no parallel. So then the hunger, which this beatitude describes by Jesus when he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, it's not the hunger that can be satisfied by morning tea time. And the thirst that Jesus describes in this beatitude when he preaches in the Sermon on the Mount is not the kind of thirst that can be satisfied or quenched by your morning cup of coffee or your sparkling water with a slice of lime. It is the hunger of a man who is starving for food. It is the thirst of a man who will die unless he drinks. This beatitude is actually calling us to ask the question, how much do you want the righteousness of God. How much do you want goodness? Do you want it as much as a starving man wants food? Do you want it as much as a dying man thirsts after water? How much do you want the goodness of God? But friend, we know that it's not just enough to be hungry, is it? Because you can be hungry for the wrong kind of thing. Just last week, like just last week, Steve and I were driving in the car and both of the boys said to us as we we're approaching home, they both said to us, and I feel like I'm pretty sure we'd just been out to dinner or lunch or something, and both of them said as we approached home, we're hungry. And Steve and I at the same time said, if you're still hungry, you can have some cereal. And then we looked at each other and we both said, I hated it when my mum said that. Who knows what I'm talking about? Because we know that when a kid says, I'm hungry, they don't want fruit, they don't want cereal, they don't want a sandwich. 
They want chippies and mellow puffs and lollies and fizzy drink, and that is the only thing that will satisfy their desire. You see, the problem with hunger is that when we, off, we often try and satisfy it with the wrong kinds of things, and those wrong things we know aren't going to fill us or sustain us for very long. Those kids go off with cookies, you know that they'll be back five minutes later asking for more. And friend, that's what happens when we try and satisfy our spiritual hunger and thirst with anything outside of the presence and the things of God. It might fill us for a second, but ultimately it will fail us. Let me say today too that I don't think for a second that there is a lack of spiritual hunger in the world today. In fact, I think there is more and more spiritual hunger than there ever has been before. People are desperate to overcome that brokenness that they feel is resident inside of them. And perhaps that's why you find yourself here today. That's why you find yourself watching online today. You came to church, you started watching online because you are aware that you are very hungry. Hungry to be whole. Hungry to be healed hungry for purpose, hungry to overcome the things in your life that have been holding you down. And if you are honest, you have tried a whole bunch of stuff and it worked for a moment, but ultimately it failed you. It failed you. Can I tell you today that I'm so glad you're here? Can I tell you online, I'm so glad that you are watching in today. I'm so glad, I'm actually glad that you're hungry because I am glad that your hunger led you here. Because friend, there is only one who can satisfy your hunger. There is only one who calls himself the bread of life. There is only one who can satisfy your thirst. There is only one who gives, uh, who promises to give us a water that will quench our thirst forever. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The scripture tells us that it's not enough just to be hungry. You need to direct your hunger towards the right kind of nourishment. And this passage calls this nourishment righteousness. Righteousness, that's the second word we're looking at today, righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is righteousness in this context? Well, one way of defining righteousness would be to say that it is the desire that all sin, all wrong, all shame, all brokenness be completely removed from my life. It could also be to say that I have this desire in my life to be completely like Christ. To hunger for righteousness is to deeply desire that my life aligns, Steve spoke about that this morning, that my life aligns with Christ and God's word, that all of my life conforms to the image of Christ. There's one really interesting point that is made in this beatitude, but it only emerges when we see it in the Greek. Following the rules of Greek grammar, most commonly, so most commonly when the phrase hunger and thirst is written in the Greek language with the verbs and the nouns surrounding it, most commonly, the, if a Gre the Greek were to say, I hunger for bread, it was saying some of the bread. 
was what was desired. Part of the bread, not the whole loaf. Most commonly written, if the Greek was to say, I thirst for water, it was actually referring to part water. It was some of the water. It was a drink of water, but not the whole tank. But in this particular beatitude, most unusually, the use of the verbs and nouns here indicate that the meaning is that there is a hunger and thirst for the whole thing. To say I hunger for bread as it is put by Jesus in this beatitude is to say I want the whole loaf. To thirst for water in this beatitude put as it is by Jesus here is to say I want the whole jug. And so the correct translation of this passage would be blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, whole, for the whole of righteousness, for complete righteousness. But if we were honest, I think we would have to admit that it is that the fact that very seldom do we hunger for the whole of righteousness. See, we most often would feel content with part righteousness. It's true, isn't it? It's true, isn't it? We are okay with most of God, most of his word, and most of what righteousness would try and bring and do in our lives and what it asks of us. But there's some stuff we're, we're just not sure about. Like I, like, I like this bit in the Bible, but I'm not sure about this bit right here. And God, I want to give you my whole life, Lord. Take my life. Please don't take my money. God, I'll go wherever you send me, Lord. Please don't send me to, to India. I don't like spicy food. But I'll go anywhere else. I'll go anywhere else, I promise. God, I'll forgive these people. I'm, Lord, help me to forgive these people, just not her. Don't make me forgive her. God, you can have my Sunday morning for church, but don't you ask me for any more time during the week. I wonder if there's an area in your life where actually you are desiring only partial righteousness. And I wonder could today be the time when, the, today be the time, the day, when God is saying maybe it's time to desire all of it. This beatitude says it is not enough to be satisfied with a partial righteousness. Blessed is the man who hungers like a man dying of starvation, who thirsts like a man who'll die without water for complete and total and utter righteousness. And the great promise of this beatitude is that when you hunger after him all, when you thirst after him all, the, after that righteousness, that righteousness that only he can give you, the promise of the beatitude is that you will be satisfied. You will be filled. And that's the last word we want to look at today, filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is the unconditional promise of this verse, that when you hunger for it, God will fill you with it. That when you thirst after it, God will satisfy you in it. That when you desire righteousness, he promises to satisfy that desire, and he promises it in three ways. 
He promises it in three ways. Here's how he promises it. He, is it, he, he will fill you with righteousness right now. He will fill you with righteousness right now, right where you are. The fancy word for that is justification. The moment that you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, the moment that you stop trying to be justified by yourself, the moment you step out of self-effort and trying to rely on anything but God to save you, the moment that you turn from your sin and you turn to God, you are justified before Him. Your standing before God is as if you have never sinned. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. He will fill you with righteousness right now. But He will also, the second way, He will also continue to fill, fill you with righteousness throughout this life. The fancy word for that one is sanctification. The moment that we are saved, we are justified. We stand before God just as we've never sinned. We call that positionally perfect. But at the same time, God is still at work in our life, isn't he? He is always and continually working to make us perfect in our experience. We are still being conformed to the image of God. We are being transformed every single day. The Holy Spirit is working in us. He's highlighting brokenness in us. He's highlighting things that need to be changed and shifted, things that need to be fixed. And we call this work sanctification. See, the righteousness that God wants to to give us is not just a positional one, it is an experienced one. One that takes place in our life in a transforming way over and over, day in and day out. He wants to transform you and He will continue to fill you with that righteousness in your life as you continue to hunger after it, to desire after it. But He also does it in a third way. He will complete, He will fill, He will complete total, complete, finished work in eternity. We call this perfection. This is the glorious reality that for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, we can look forward to a day when all sin, all brokenness, all shame, all guilt, all insecurity, all imperfection will be gone. He, we will be perfect, not just in our position, not just in our position before God, and not just in our experience, but we will be completely and totally and gloriously filled, content, and satisfied in eternity. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, 29 says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. I'm going to ask Keys to come and join me now. Thanks, Sam. So my question for you today is, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry like a man starving? Are you thirsty like someone in the desert in need of water? You see, the incredible part of this passage is that our only responsibility is to hunger and thirst. That's the only job we have in this agreement here, in this promise. 
the part we play is that we do the hunger and the thirsting. Jesus is the righteousness that we receive. Jesus does the filling. Our only job is to be hungry, to be thirsty. But perhaps today you're sitting here and you're saying, honestly, Bex, I'm not. Don't feel hungry. Don't feel thirsty. Perhaps you're here or you're watching online and you would say, something has just eroded away my hunger. I was once hungry, but I'm not anymore. I once chased after Jesus and the things of God desperately, but I'm struggling to do it now. Righteousness is just not the thing I'm desiring. What do I do? Well, if that's you today, I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to go back to beatitude number one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy is the person who understands that without God, they are spiritually bankrupt. That's the starting place for your hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? Because nothing makes you more desperate for food than realizing that you've got nothing in the pantry. Nothing makes you more desperate for money than realizing your bank account is empty. Nothing makes you more desperate for righteousness than realizing that you have got none of it on your own. Friend, let me tell you what fuels my hunger and thirst for righteousness. It is a deep, abiding knowledge that I don't have any of it in my own strength. And Jesus knows that, and he loves me anyway. The miracle of the gospel is that we were hopeless, destitute, with nothing to offer God, nothing to bring to the table, and God knew it. Can I tell you, he always knew it. Right from the beginning, he knew it, and he loved us, and he died for us anyway to fill us with the very thing that we were lacking, righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Can I get you to close your eyes and bow your head? I actually, right now, before we move anywhere else, I want to give an opportunity to you today if you are saying, Bex, I am not in right standing with God. I am so far from him. If you're saying, Bex, all that justification and sanctification stuff, that ain't happening in my world. If you're saying, I am not, I am, I am, I'm deep in my sin. I am far from God. I have walked away from him. I am not walking with him. I'm not hungering after the things of God. I don't, I don't have him in my world. I don't have him in my life. If you're watching online today and you know you are broken and without God, can I tell you today, he does not want to just be your, the Lord of your life, but he wants to be your savior. He's your savior and your Lord. And Christ died on a cross for you and for me 
so that we could stand righteous before God. And I'm gonna pray a prayer right now and I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer with me online. I'm inviting you to, I want you to join me whether you're watching in your living room, your bedroom, your car, wherever you're watching from today. Would you join me as well in praying this prayer with me? I'll pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. We say, dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me so that I could stand before God as though I'd never sinned. I receive your forgiveness today. I repent. I turn from my old way of life and I turn to you now. I want to start a brand new life with you. Thank you for your healing, your love, your plans, and your purposes. In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, would love to know who I prayed for today. Online, there's a button you can push. It says, I raise my hand in the room. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you today just to lift your hand nice and high so I can see it. I'm not going to call you to the front. I won't embarrass you. I'll just acknowledge it, then you can pop it straight back down. I'd love to see who I prayed for today. You ready? Come on, let's be brave. One, two, three. Hands can go up now. You're saying, Bex, yeah, one, two, three, four, yeah. Up on the top there, yes, 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 yes. Thank you, yes. Over this side, two online. We see you online, yes, over this side. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? You're saying Bex. Thank you. Awesome, down the front here. You're saying Bex. Count me in on that prayer. Awesome, awesome. So good. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, online, I see you again. One more. Amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for the work that you do in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you fill us when we hunger and thirst after you. We thank you for this promise. And I thank you that that promise stands firm for every single one of us, including those who prayed that prayer for the very first time today. Lord, I thank you for your blessing and your anointing. Lord, Holy Spirit, fill them right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.